0: couple of people uh, that I'd like to call your attention to. Jim Mosley, one of our members, he's 88, and he's out at the um, John Wesley Villa facility, and his sister Evelyn has been dying of cancer for quite some time, and she passed yesterday. And um, so if you'd remember Jim, he's pretty lonely out there. Um, Not his part of town, and He's just um, loved his two sisters very much, so we're hoping we can get him to the uh, funeral later this week. And then uh, Jackie Kelly, one of our members, had a 90% blockage and had a stint yesterday and probably will be going home. Has she already gone home? we will be going home later today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for one another and the opportunity to look at your word today. Think about the wisdom of the Bible and how it impacts our life for good and how it is a part of your overall sanctifying our lives, that you would not only have us uh, be morally upright, but that we would live wisely and then be beneficiaries of following your wisdom in the structure and patterns of our life. Now, we thank you that the Lord Jesus um, was the personification of your wisdom and that in his parables and in his teaching, he demonstrated the wisdom of God. Help us to walk in his footsteps. Help us to learn to think his thoughts after him. Help us, Father, to know that you would have us be blessed with wisdom. Be with Jim Mosley. Give him comfort. Be with Jackie Kelly and give her healing and restoration. Help us to be witnesses to Christ wherever we are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're talking about wisdom for life. And as we're talking about this, I'd have you look around and consider the society in which we live. And that as we look at the society in which we live, all we see basically is a tremendous amount of human wreckage there is just wreckage from one end of our society to the other end. Some of the wreckage is very evident when we go into an area where there's a slum. But then when we look at our own families and some of the most sophisticated, most educated, most wealthy families within our society, there is the evidence of the wreckage of this society that is very much a part of the lives of these people. Years ago, here at this church, a man walked up to me and asked me this question. He said, John, what happened to the family? Well, I thought, for me, um, I did pretty good. Because normally, if somebody answers asks me a question like that, they might still be standing here getting an an answer. I just came back to him and asked him two questions it helped him to see the issues very clearly. The man was my age. So I asked him, I said, when you were growing up and you were a young boy, who was the center of your family? Just immediately he said, my father was. I said to him, who is the center of your family? And he paused. He said, my children. Now, I want to ask you a question, is that wise? Which one reflects wisdom? Which one reflects the wisdom of the scriptures? Now, years ago, God was the center of this society, the church. But now man has displaced God. Man is the center of this society the result of that is the wreckage that we see all around us now what we've done and i'm not i'm not being accusatory right here within the room i'm speaking of the society in general what we've done as a society is we have set aside god's book as the interpreter of society we've set aside god's day as the emblem which it is that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We've set that aside. And we've set aside the culture that was a part of the book in the day, and we have enthusiastically embraced the culture that we might today call the culture of chaos, which is basically a very... It was basically prophesied by secularists in the 50s and the early 60s, that that would be the end result, would be chaos. Uh, Just think of Toffler's book, Future Shock. When he wrote that, that's basically what he told us was going to be the result. Now, there's a problem that we basically, in this room, would tend to embrace. And that is that we would think, well, we can't go back there. Okay, I want you to understand I understand that. We can't go back there. But we can engage ourselves in reformation. We can't, We don't have to accept the way things are. We can embrace the wisdom of the Scripture. In embracing the wisdom of the Scripture personally and as a church, a number of churches represented here, if we embrace the, uh, the, the, the wisdom of the scripture, then there can be reform. There can be tremendous reform. When does the light shine brightest? At midnight, in dark. Now, hear these words from Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn your foot, Turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly then you shall take delight in the lord and i'll make you ride on the heights of the earth i will feed you with the heritage of jacob your father for the mouth of the lord is promised now we can't go back but here are promises here are tremendous promises Here's a promise from God to each and every one of us. This promise can be embraced individually, personally. It can be embraced as a family. And within the confines of a church, it can be embraced as, as a church culture. Is this what we think? Is, is this the way we're going to look at this one aspect of the culture in which we're in? Now, We could call it a cultural drift. We could use all kinds of words to describe it. But I I think really wreckage is probably one of the most apt ways we could describe what we see. There is wreckage all about us. Now, there is a promise. The people in Isaiah's time in which this promise was given was a culture of wreckage. That's what we're told. It was a culture of wreckage. The prophet begins in the year King Uzziah died. Well, that, that meant the high water mark was passed, <laughs> and the wreckage was in constant motion from that time on. And what's promised here is that there is going to be a great day of reckoning of God towards God's people. But this particular part of the passage is a passage that speaks to Israel's future in a time when God will restore them. But there is the need of reform, and these people to whom this is being prophesied... They're hearing this message before this day of judgment comes upon them. And so God's telling these people that there's hope. There is clearly hope. Where is the hope found? And he begins to talk about the nature of the Lord's Day. Doing your own pleasure would be basically descriptive of the way we use the Lord's day to day. Now, what we do is something like this as Christians. We take all that we want to do and we cram it and we jam it and we ram it And whatever the word else is, we do that for six days. And what do we find at the end of six days? There's a lot to be done. And so here comes the Lord's Day, and what we do is we spill it. Whatever we didn't get done, whether it was things we needed to get done, things we wanted to get done, or however it would be described, we use the Lord's Day as catch-up day, make-up day. Uh, We're glad we don't have to go to work. We're glad that there's a lot of things that are going at a different pace because we're going to get this day and we're going to do something with it. So, okay, now we're ready to go. First of the week, Monday. Monday. Now, when we come to the book of Hebrews, which the fourth chapter deals with the day of rest, but in Hebrews chapter 11, it says something like this, that by faith we understand that the worlds were made by the word of God and that the things were created were created out of things that did not exist. So by faith, dealing with the way we spoke last week of creation, the testimony of scripture, we understand God made this world out of nothing. These people in the book of Hebrews, who are extolled in the 11th chapter, these people were being spoken to. They're being spoken to by the author, and then in the 11th chapter, he begins to talk about various people in the Old Testament, and at the end of the the chapter, he said, though being dead, they still speak. These people, although dead at the time the author of Hebrews was writing, were speaking, speaking. And they were speaking of the character of their lives built upon the faith and the testimony that God was the creator of all things and how that caused them to live by faith in every other facet of their life. They had a common worldview and they had a common ver- worldview in that day about the day of the Lord. And the day was also, at that time, again, who were, their lives were wrecked by or littered by the wreckage of the people who lived around them, who had an antagonistic worldview, the Roman world. Now, these people, and the author is focusing on those people to whom he was writing and to us, believed that God created the world and with it they believed that god created the order that is present in the world and they believed in god's ownership and they believed in the ability of god to bless them as the people of god in other words not only did they believe about creation they believed about the lord's day but they believed the promises of god this whole book of the book of hebrews is about the promises of God. So they believe this. And the central thing that you see is this one of the central things, and this is the Lord's day. Now, if we look back to the Old Testament, we see that the seventh day reflects God as the creator, and then a time of rest following his creation. From the time of Christ, we see that it's the first day of the week is the Lord's Day. And what it's reflecting is not different, but it is, it is differentiated. It's the new creation. When we think of the resurrection of Christ and what that meant, it began the beginning of a new creation. From that point in time on, we are told that this is the time of the end in which God is going to ultimately make things new. So the Lord's Day is to be reflected in our own faith. And we have to ask ourselves the question today, do we believe that God is the creator? Do we believe that God created this world? Do we believe that the way he did this was wise and that God is in the business of sustaining this world and at the same time sustaining our individual lives? Do we believe that? Because if we believe that, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Do we believe in a God who, if we truly seek after his blessings in the way that he has made them known to us, is truly going to bless us. Do we, do we trust him? Do we have faith in him that he can do this? Well, again, in Genesis one we we're told that when God looked at the world that he had created, he said that everything was not merely good, as we've said before. In that verse, he said it was very good. And then in chapter 2 the first 3 verses it tells us that God rested from all the work in which he had created and made. And the Lord blessed the Lord Sabbath day and set it apart made it holy. Now all scripture beginning from the Old Testament in Genesis to the very end in the book of Revelation expresses this pattern For all mankind throughout all history. Initially, again, the pattern reflected creation. Six days of engagement. Now, what I'm getting at is six days of a discipline. A discipline of your lives to go out and to discipline your lives in such a way as to make a livelihood. That's what six days are for. But then there was one day that followed it, and it was a discipline of uh, separation, a discipline of withdrawal from those things that were of man in order to engage in a discipline of worship, and a discipline of rest, a discipline of relief, a discipline of giving yourself over to acts of compassion. Now, since the resurrection of Jesus and the inauguration of the new creation, we begin We begin our week on the Lord's Day, Sunday, and we begin with the discipline of a joyful engagement of the worship of the God who has promised to make all things new. And we're given all kinds of understanding that this is to be a joyful celebration. We ought to take both of those words together in our worship. It should be joyful, and it should be of a celebrative nature. But also with that is the whole idea of the acts of rest and the acts of compassion. Now, after we've begun our week this way, after we've been refreshed at the beginning of our week, Then our week is followed by the disciplines of engagement in our livelihood for six days. Now, what we're finding as we look at the scripture is this pattern of God is constantly normative. This is the way God looks at the way our life should be. One day of rest in worship followed by six days Of engagement in seeking our livelihood in our own way. How many patterns have we personally involved ourselves in that we knew we shouldn't do what we were doing? And we did it anyway, even though we knew it broke the patterns of God. And how many of us have reaped? the results of that bad judgment. I think we can all, if we're all Baptists, I could say, can I get an amen? And I think we could get an amen from everybody on that. But on the large scale, this is culturally true as it regards the Lord's day. We neglect and abuse the Lord's day to our individual peril, to our family peril, and to the family to the Church of God's peril by neglecting it. Now in this Isaiah 58 passage, we simply have here a summary that God would have us to understand. God adds his grace and his blessing to those who seek after him in a manner and in the ways that God reveals are pleasing to him. Now Isaiah 53 says each one of us has gone our own way. The book of Judges said every man did what was right in his own sight. We have a similar idea here in Isaiah 58 that people Go and do their own thing. But when we do our own thing, we are neglecting God's patterns. Now, I'm just going to ask you the question, does that seem wise? Is this wise for you to go against the current of God's blessing? But that's what people have chosen to do. God was the center Again, when I grew up, Lake Worth, Florida, five pharmacies on two one-way streets, they were all prospering. One of them was even a Rexall. Only one of them was open on Sunday. Only one. The only thing you could buy in that pharmacy was aspirins and things of that nature and getting your prescription filled. You could sneak in and get Luden's cough drops. If you wanted to fake it, you could get it. They were the only one that I found sweet enough to want to consider candy. But that was it. Burger King came first and the next one uh, that came was uh, what's the little square hamburgers? Crystal came second. That was it. That's the way it started in in West Palm Beach and Lake Worth on the Lord's Day. God's pattern needs to be understood as being wise. Let me come at this from a different perspective. God's patterns are a gift. The Lord's Day is God's gift to you. God made you. God knows you. And he knows what you need. And so he gives us the Lord's day. Now again, I'm one of those characters, if you want to give something away, I'm probably not the guy you want to test the issue with. Because I'm probably going to take it. And I've trained my kids. If somebody wants to give you something Take it. You never know what they want to give you next. If you take them and say, I don't need that, well, there may be something that you'd like to have that they're going to give to somebody else. So I don't think that's wise. If you come saying, hey, I got two dressers this last couple months that are wonderful dressers, matching. Lady didn't need them. wife's proud of me. They were free. Had to haul them home. Took a small army to move them too. Now look, God's Lord's Day is a gift. More than we can even possibly comprehend. More than you probably even see are the people of our own time are burning the candle at both ends. They're fragile. They're brittle. They're short on reserves. Most often time they're sighing. They're exhausted. They're stressed. Now, I know that my report cards from high school and stuff like that look like a battlefield when they used to mark those one grades with red ink. Mine looked like somebody died on them, okay? Does it look like I'm even worried now about that? I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't stressed. I went to college after I became a Christian. I just went and did what the teacher said and got ready and did it. I wasn't stressed. I talked to young people today and they're stressed. Children are stressed. Now if you if, if it's not you parents that have put that on them, it's the whole culture violating this principle. It's being felt at the weakest point. How are we going to raise healthy children when they're stressed? It just can't be done. What did Jesus say about this? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. God's gift is to receive and embrace the rest that God gives us. And I want to come at this from a slightly different perspective. There's the analogy of scripture. And by that we mean we look at everything that the Bible says about a subject and we begin to say, "Well, what is it really teaching here? How do we put all of these things together and understand it?" In the Lord's day was 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 purposed and Founded after a word that was called the Shabbat. And in our own confession of faith, the Lord's Day is called a Christian Sabbath. The idea is one complete day. Now, you want to know what Shabbat means? Ceasing. That's what the Shabbat means. So the Sabbath day was a day of ceasing. Ceasing from doing what Isaiah 58 talks about here is basically saying doing the things that you think you want to do. Now I know that we're refreshed by them. Now do you think I'm dumb? I mean I watch my wife come in and she sits down and watches the World Cup. She's mellow yellow at the end of it. She's put herself into it. She may put a bunch of energy in it, but she's refreshed by it, braves, all of that stuff. We think that's good, but it's not God's. (laughs) That's the sad part. It may be good, but it's not God's. And it may be appropriate on Saturday night. It may be appropriate on Monday afternoon, but it's not appropriate on Sunday. And we think, well, it refreshes. I know. I know. That's not God's way. That's not where refreshment's really coming from for for us. We need this other kind of refreshment. Ceasing from the patterns of our own six days, again, certainly practical. There are acts of necessity. Do you know somebody's going to want to come home with you or your wife or you're going to want to invite somebody home and there isn't going to be what needs to be? And what are you going to feel maybe guilty about doing? Stopping at Bilo. I don't want you to feel guilty about stopping at Bilo to get that, but I would think you ought to feel out of place if you went and did your shopping on Sunday. There's all the difference in the world. One's an act of necessity, and the other is doing your own thing. Do you know that things break on Sunday? Did you ever know that? You've got to do what the scriptures talk about. They have an analogy of this. They call it the what? You know? The ox in the ditch. There's an analogy for this. You know, there are acts of mercy on the Lord's Day. They ought to be pursued. But we can't get people in the church to go and do the things that the church needs to do because the six days are rammed and jammed and crammed and it's spilling over on Sunday. But if the Lord's Day were observed, then people would understand that acts of mercy could be carried out on the Lord's Day, which is part of the idea. We see it in the, in the, in the analogy of Scripture in the life of Christ. The day is to find God's center in our lives. The Lord's Day is to find God's center in our lives. I am talking to people of every age exhausted, overwhelmed, frustrated, don't know how to have rest. I'm talking to people that if you gave them rest, they wouldn't know how to rest. I spoke to a, mo- a woman yesterday morning and I, I spoke to her and I just says, your problem is, is your computer is so full There's so much going on, and it runs wide open even when you try and go to sleep at night. And she just closed her eyes and nodded her head up and down. It's the way it is. It's the violation of this day. It's a day in which we learn of God's blessing. We're we're active. We're thinking about all kinds of stuff. We don't have room and time to think of God's blessings, God's promises, but that's what the day's for. I want to close with one illustration. There was a family that lived out in the Colorado area. I'm not sure I got it just right. There's a stream on their property. Across the stream all their lives, had one son that went off and got an education, something to do with mineral geology. He came back home to his own own farm place. He went down and there was in the middle of a stream that the family crossed a rock. And This family had been stepping on this rock to get across the stream their entire life. Well now he's a trained mineral geologist and he looks down at that rock and he begins to feel it and it's spongy. It's not like concrete. He takes the rock up. And so the way I understand the story, it was one of the largest pieces of above the ground piece of gold that's ever been found in North America. (laughs) And what had they been doing? Stepping on it. They had wealth beyond their imagination. (laughs) They'd been walking by it, walking over it, and their lives didn't reflect that they had what was theirs. And then they figured it out. That's the way our culture is right now. The Lord's Day is that rock. I want to commend it to you a day of rest and gladness, a day of worship, a day for just trying to find some poor people. You know, James Dobson says it this way, sick people are focused on themselves. Healthy people have an interest in others. We've got an interest in others. You just don't have time to express that interest. But the Lord's Day is the day that the Lord has given you as a gift so that you can be his mercy and blessing in somebody else's life. When you do that, that's going to come back home. Let's pray. Father, help us to see the wisdom. We look at an unwise, unhealthy culture. Help us to see reformation that can come by just taking you at your word concerning this one simple application to our life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.